Father, thank you so much for this gift of your word. What a privilege that we have your revelation open to us, free to us, multiple translations of your word that we can take advantage of if we would just click a button on our phones. Your word is so available, and I pray that because of its availability, we would not take it for granted. We would not uh, set it aside for other things that are more entertaining or easier to be uh, distracted by. But Father, I pray that tonight, especially in these moments, especially for the moms and for the ladies here, that you would please give us an attention, grip us. May we hear from you tonight. Holy Spirit, would you move and ultimately would Jesus shine tonight? And we ask this in his name. Amen. So we're in the series of wisdom rooted in the Proverbs called Wisdom, the Gift of God. And I want to look at motherhood as wisdom or wisdom for motherhood. And we're going to look in three separate stages, if you will. We're going to look at natural mothers, adoptive mothers, and spiritual mothers. Okay, so natural mothers you get the bulk of the time. Adoptive mothers, you get a shorter amount of time. And then spiritual mothers, though not unimportant, you get um, lesser time at the end, sadly. Okay, moms know this, but some of you who are not moms don't know this. The essence of motherhood is sacrifice. You could just sum it up with sacrifice. That is what being a mother is. Sacrifice of the body first. I mean, Genesis 3.16, the curse on the woman is this. I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Many women throughout history have died giving birth to children. It, up until very recent days, because of medical technology, women have died uh, probably giving childbirth more than any other way, if you accumulate history. And God is a part of that because he cursed childbearing. And now, thankfully, we have uh, medical technology that children are born, at least in this country, healthily, often. And, and it's rare that a mother dies giving birth, and we're thankful for that. So the first thing mothers sacrifice is, is the body. But mothers, you know, you sacrifice sleep, time, ambitions, you sacrifice your years, your months, your days, your expectations, your ministry opportunities, your careers, your comforts, your desires, your hobbies. It's sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. That's what it is to be a mom. And so for that reason alone, I mean, man, they deserve a message and a day to be honored, right? Okay, good. So we're going to think about the essence of of motherhood as sacrifice. And we're going to try to get some wisdom from Proverbs 31. Now, Proverbs 31 is probably one of the most famous places in the Bible, but I don't want you to, you know, be so familiar with it that you just, oh, Proverbs 31. You know, there's tons of books on that. There's ministries called Proverbs 31. I have a t-shirt that says Proverbs 31 woman. Don't go there. Just listen, okay? Listen, learn, gather grace from God. So Proverbs 31 is the last chapter 
of the book of Proverbs. And if you know, the, the beginning of the book of Proverbs opens up with Lady Wisdom. And she's calling, come to me, learn. She's calling in the streets, come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I've mixed, come, gain wisdom. And then Proverbs closes with wisdom from a mother. In fact, it's King Lemuel's mother. And Proverbs 31.1 starts this way, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So this entire 31 of Proverbs is a mother's teaching to her son who is a king, King Lemuel. And we know that Solomon, David's son, the wisest man outside of Jesus who ever lived, was the collector of all the ancient wisdom, and he put it into a book form called Proverbs. And what we want to do is very quickly go through the first part of this Proverbs, very quickly. So I'm just going to run through this to set up 25 to the end of Proverbs 31, because that's where I want to kind of drill in. So let's run through this very quickly. Proverbs 31, 1 to 9 is where Lemuel's mother says to him, like, don't get drunk, don't go after wild women, honor the Lord, listen to my words, fear the Lord, and be a good king for the poor and for those who don't have a voice, okay? And we can start here now with an excellent wife who can find. So this is still Lemuel's mother, and for those of you women who are wives, or those of you who are aspiring to be wives, ladies, this is kind of like your section of the Bible. But here's what I want to say. Brothers, have you ever prayed through Scripture? None of you, one of you have prayed through Scripture. Okay, so th- this is what praying through Scripture looks like. I'm going to be real practical here. And brothers, you can pray through this for your wife Children, you can pray through this for your mom because if your wife was this, you would be severely blessed and in a good place. So an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. Okay, so you could say, oh God, please, I want to trust in my wife. Please make her Uh, have a heart that's trustworthy, and I don't want to lack, so would you give her all that she needs so that there's no lack and that I can gain? And that's the end of 11. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Oh God, please, would you enable my wife by your Holy Spirit to do me good and not harm all the days of her life? You see how you can pray through this for her? And listen, when we pray according to God's will, we know we have what we ask of him, John tells us. So you're praying God's will when you pray Scripture, and this is what you want, brothers, for your wife, and and ladies, you can pray this for yourselves. Just pray through the Scriptures. We know we have what we ask of Him if we ask according to His will, John tells us in 1 John. Okay, so this woman, this wife, does her husband good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with her hands. So this verse 13 says that this wife is entrepreneurial, and she's got skills, okay? She's not laying around watching Netflix. She is out gathering the best of the best of raw materials, and she has skills to make merchandise. She's a businesswoman, okay? And she's an excellent 
businesswoman. So she's out seeking wool, that's from sheep, and flax is a, another material that you can use to make uh, textile goods, and works willing with willing hands. See the willing there? That means she has a good attitude about her work. She's not grumbling. She's not complaining. She's excited to be working. Oh God, would you please help my wife to enjoy the work that you've given her to do? Because who can stand under a grumbling and complaining and angry constant dripping, as the Proverbs would say. You can pray this for your wives, brothers. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. Now, this, this means that she is manufacturing goods, and she is trading with the merchants, and these ships are coming from distant lands bringing goods. Okay? So this would be equivalent to her, you, shopping at Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. You know, you get all these foreign goodies that you can't get at, I don't know, Giant Eagle. And she is trading for the merchant's goods, and she brings her food from afar. That's what that means. That means she's trading with the merchants, the, the work of her hands, her entrepreneurial labors, and she trades her goods to fill her house with food from afar, delicacies luxuries these would be. The common person, in a sense, would not be able to get a hold of these. We live in a fantastic day and age where we could just, you know, go to Aldi and get chocolate straight from Germany. I mean, it's amazing. But back when this was written, that was, what? Chocolate from Germany? She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. This verse 15 means that she rises when the sun has not come up yet, and she's working hard early, not only to provide food for her household, that would be her family, so now we're getting into motherhood here, but she also has maidens, which are helpers in the home, young ladies that she employs. So she's a boss too. She is not only providing for her husband and her family, but she also employs young ladies, and she's providing for them too. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. She's a real estate agent. She's able to look at a field, scope it out, go get the loan, or better yet, she's probably trading her goods that she's made in order to then have the money to invest in a field. But she doesn't just leave the field sit there. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. So now she's doing agriculture. We intimidated yet, ladies? Like her garden is epic. She is going to have a fantastic wine cellar and she's doing this all herself. Like this, this woman is competent is what we're seeing here. Okay? She knows real estate. She knows how to get business deals done. She knows how to scope out good property. She knows how to tend a vineyard. And from what I understand, I've never tended a vineyard, but it's hard work and it's not easy and it takes great skill and great attention. Verse 17, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. So this is, a, it, it's poetry, it's metaphor for she has strength of attitude, of heart, and she's actually laboring. She's doing labor with strength, with a good attitude. Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. So she's making merchandise that's quality quality goods. 
And the lamp that does not go out at night does not mean that she gets up before the sun rises and then all night she's working like she doesn't sleep. That's not what that means. The lamp is a reference to income. And so it's metaphor for income coming into the house. There's always income coming in from her. She's a hard worker and she knows how to get business deals done and she negotiates well and she is constantly bringing in income. Verse 19, she puts her hand to the distaff and her hand to the uh, hand holds the spindle. These are weaving instruments. They are like sewing machines, ancient sewing, um, crafting machines. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. So not only is she providing for her husband, her family, her maids, she's also generous to the poor and needy. Anyone feeling a little bit small compared to this woman? Like, who is this lady? She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. You could actually translate that scarlet or in double thickness. What do you think that means? That means that with her crafting abilities, with her weaving, with her gathering wool and flax, she is making comforters for beds, and they're thick, and they're quality, and even if the snow comes, and you know, what happens when your gas heater goes out, and it's like negative 17 out? I mean, you're not staying there, are you? You're going to a hotel, or you're going to a friend's house, or you're going back to mom's house, right? This, this woman is making such quality. This is like military-grade sleeping bags, She's not afraid of the snow because she knows her gear that she makes with her own hands, with the material that she herself has gathered, that's so quality that her family is going to be okay even in the snow. Double thickness. It's quality. This is the stuff she's also selling. People are like, ooh, I want that. 22. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. This is clothing that she herself has made. You remember Lydia in the book of Acts, a dealer in purple cloth? Purple cloth was super expensive. The dye uh, was very hard to get. And so this woman is working with high quality stuff here. And this is Gucci bags that she's making. I'm kidding. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Verse 23. So the gates were a place where the wise dwelled, where the judges dwelled, and where the courts were ruling. It was where people went to get counsel and to get insight and to have matters disputed and final judgments made. It was where the counselors well, it, it were. It would be where uh, the courts would be. And her husband is among the most respected high officials of the land. And how is he able to do that? That's a hard job that takes a lot of effort and time. Well, she's holding it down big time at home. And she's holding down him too, enabling him to do this. And he is well known because of her. That's why verse 23 brings him up. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. So her products are going overseas. She's exporting. This is, but this is ancient times here, right? So you can imagine the hardworking woman that we're talking about here, and she has a good attitude about it. And now let's drill in a little bit. So this is the very next verse, and here I want to talk to the the natural moms for just a moment. So verse 25 says this, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. I love this. Strength and 
and dignity are her clothing. Okay? God wraps himself in light. Does he really do that? No, it's a picture of God being light. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. This is a picture of this woman's strength. Now, this poem here is a hero poem. Okay? This is actually uh, high-tech poetry. If we could see it in the Hebrew, it, every letter begins, every line begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay? It's from A to Z in our context. Okay, this is a high-tech poem here, and it's honoring this woman of dignity. Strength means this, strong power, strength, and might. So that's what this woman looks like. She's strong, she's powerful, she has much strength, and she's mighty. I love it. What does dignity mean? It means honor, respect, graceful, excellence, glory, and nobility. Who is this? Now, I love this second part of verse 25. Look at this. She laughs at the time to come. What does that mean? It means she's not anxious about the future. She looks out ahead into the months and the years to come, and she is not worried. Do you know what anxiety is? Anxiety is tomorrow's fears creeping into today. And this lady, nope, I'm not worried about tomorrow. How can you do that, ladies? Because I've not met many women who are not anxious, especially about tomorrow. Or you hear Jesus say, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Today has enough troubles of its own. And you're like, black sharpie that out of the Bible. Because I don't know how to do that. How do you do that, ladies? Well, I think that the only way this woman could be doing this is she has a massive confidence in God. She knows the God who created her. He is sustaining her with this strength. He is the one giving her this dignity. And he is the one who has gifted her with these skills. And she knows that the future is God's future. And it doesn't depend on her. Because listen, if the future depended on us, depended on us, brothers too, we should be anxious. We should be fearful. We should not be sleeping well at night. But if the future is God's future and he's got it under control, then we cannot be anxious. Other translations translate this this way. I love it. She smiles at the future. She's not afraid of the future. She can laugh at the time to come. Ladies, don't you want to be that lady? You you look out into the future and you think, God's got this. I'm in his story for my life. It doesn't all rest on my shoulders. So for me, at least when I'm thinking about this, 25 is like a turning point where like, man, this this girl is killing it. And if I stand next to her, I'm about six inches and she's about 10 feet. Where now I think we can see, man, this girl is looking to the Lord for strength. And this is where she's getting her strength. If she's able to smile at the future with all of its uncertainty and all of its pressing need and smile, man, that's God. There's no other explanation. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Ladies, this is the attitude of the heart. This is your character here. This is your demeanor. What is it? It's kindness. It's being willing to share wisdom with other people. 
It's being willing to invest in others' lives with wisdom and kindness. You know that wise and kind people are very approachable and sought out? They're sought out. And ladies, pray for this. Oh God, would you make me kind? We've already learned in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. God, make me wise. Make my demeanor kind. Make me approachable. Make me have strength and dignity. Help me to look into the future and smile at it and not be anxious. Oh God, please. Brothers, will you pray that for your wives, kids, for your moms? Listen, the temperature of your home would change if verse 25 and 26 was going on in your house. It would change. She looks, verse 27, well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Idleness, slothfulness, laziness, this is not favorable in the Proverbs. In fact, we're going to do a whole message on laziness and sloth, and I'm not telling you when it is because some of you will sleep through it. You just be like, not for that one. She is busy, this woman, and she's joyfully busy. She's not begrudgingly busy. Any busy ladies in the house? Put your hands up. Yeah, and, and, and 2018 just compiles the busyness because not only do you have social media, but then you, we have cars and we're taxis and we're going here and there and we got appointments to make and we got jobs to do and then we got the house and then add kids to the mix or grandkids to the mix. I mean, life just gets more and more and more complex. But this woman is working hard. She's not eating the bread of idleness. It's poetry for she is busy and getting it done. How? How? By God's strength. That's how. Friends, I need you, especially ladies, to see this is not all on your shoulders. I'm not throwing this on you like a backpack of bricks saying, put this on. This is by God's doing that you will do this only. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. That's what we want, man. I want to be able to do that to my wife, and I don't do it enough, not because she's not worthy of it. Man, my wife holds it down. Wait till you see what she made for all you ladies in a moment, okay? She works hard, okay? and, and I need to I'll confess to you, I have not prayed this for her, and I need to. And if some of you brothers will be like, hey, idiot, pray Proverbs 31 for your wife, send, I would be like, thank you. Thumbs up, back to you, okay? I give you permission. But if I text you, you better not get angry at me. All right, if I send that to you, it goes both ways, okay? Eugene, you got me, Bo? All right. Her children rise up and call her blessed. You know what the word blessed means? It's the same as in the Sermon on the Mount. Happy. Happy. Man, this is what we're searching for in life. I just want to be happy. And her children can see it. Children rise up, call her blessed, happy. It's the one who finds wisdom. It's the one who gets understanding. It's fortunate, honored, happy. Her husband also, he praises her. Verse 29, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. So notice, her husband also, he praises her. Quote, this is what he says, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Here's what I don't recommend, brothers. Don't compare your wife to other ladies. It's not helpful. Why can't you just be like, don't do that. So-and-so's killing it. What about you? Don't do that. 
This is poetry. He can get away with it. And it was King Lemuel's mom, okay? She can get away with this. You can't. Don't do it. It's going to go bad for you. Right, wives? Right, mothers? It's going to go bad. Don't do it. Your wife is not other women. Your mom is not other moms. And that's, that's a gift, okay? And praise God, I don't have to be any of you or anyone else. I can be me, and God wants you to be you. He wants you to be faithful. If you're like, I don't know how to sew. I don't even know how to use those needles. What are the crochet things? I don't know how to use those things. You don't have to. Okay? What has God given you the gift to do? What has he given you the ability to do? Certainly, ladies, you can grow in your kindness, in your dignity, and in your spiritual and emotional strength by God's help. How do we do that? Pray. 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 Let's finish. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, this charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Sadly, this is what our culture is obsessed with. Personality and looks. Yes? And sadly, some of us, this is for the young men in here, brothers, if you're deceived by the charm and the beauty and none of the other character qualities are there, none of the entrepreneurialness, none of the hardworkingness, they're eating the bread of idleness, brothers, you're in for pain. Deceitful beauty is vain. You know what vain means? Empty. Empty. You know why? Because we all grow older. All of us. If I let my hair grow, there's a lot of gray in there, man. I'm only 37. Okay? And I refuse to use the dude's you know, hair dye. But we're all going to get older and beauty is fleeting. But you know what? Here's the beautiful thing. Resurrection bodies are coming for all of us who are Christians. And beauty will be attached to all of us forever. We don't get to hold on to it in this life. So don't freak out when you look in the mirror one day and you're like, who is that? You know, don't do that. Say to yourself, I'm going to get a new body someday. This one is wasting away. Our outer man is wasting away, but inward we're being renewed day by day by day. And sadly for ladies, the beauty and the personality is being pressed on the ladies like never before, especially with social media and Photoshop and Instagram apps and Snapchat apps and all that stuff is killing the ladies, especially the young ladies, making them feel inadequate and unbeautiful. And I just want to say, ladies, don't, don't buy into it. Say to yourself, one day I will get a perfect body and it will be mine forever, never to decay, never to get old. That's the promise of the, of the new body, resurrection, resurrected earth. Okay? Ladies, we cool? You with me? Okay, good. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So the emphasis here is on the beginning of wisdom. You remember Proverbs 1-7, open up the book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Here, this is the closing of the book. This is the very end of the book of Proverbs. And it closes with wisdom. And it's a woman who fears the Lord. What does that mean? That means 
honors God with her life, is diligent to seek to keep his commandments because she knows that in the commandments is the way to life. She knows that to walk according to God's will is the best place to be in life. Not to take charge of her own life and do her own thing, but rather to walk in the way of wisdom is to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord is to turn away from evil and walk in his will. And this woman says, I'm going to find my beauty from fearing the Lord. And doesn't Peter say the same? Peter tells his readers, do not let your adorning, talking to ladies, be external. That means, you know, don't adorn yourself only on the outside. We're talking inward versus outward. The braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. Don't be superficial. That's what Peter's saying. Don't be superficial. Charm and beauty is outward and fleeting and superficial. But in contrast, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now notice, we, t- we take a lot of texts from the Bible and we bring them to bear on the same subject. This doesn't mean that women should just shut up and let the men get on with life. Because we just saw the Proverbs 31 woman is a beast, right? So this is more of an attitude. This is more of a heart. You're not quarrelsome. You're not always fighting. You have a, a quietness about you that's attractive. And look, in God's sight, it's very precious. In God's sight, this is precious. What's precious to God? Gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? That's what's happening to this woman in 1 Peter 3, 3 3-6. The Holy Spirit has so taken over this woman's life and her heart that she is gentle and quiet in spirit and she's walking by the power of the Holy Spirit and in God's sight, this is precious. He's looking at her and saying, that is beauty right there. That's what I'm talking about. So do you want God's assessment of beauty or Instagram's assessment of beauty, ladies? Listen, the Instagram version will crush you because you're going to constantly be comparing yourself to everyone else and you're going to lose every time. And if you're comparing your clothes and your outward whatever you know, your purses and your shoes and your hair and your this and your that. If you're always comparing yourself with everyone else, no wonder you're depressed and anxious and not satisfied. Take God's advice here and focus on the inward. This is what God finds precious. And listen, you will be very attractive. Very attractive, ladies. I'm talking to all the ladies in here. Quiet, gentle spirit. You could be very ambitious. You could be very skilled in your work, but you can still have a quiet and gentle spirit. When the storm's raging, you're kind of like Jesus just standing there, not fearing the future, smiling at it, quiet, not anxious, not quarrelsome, not raging. How do we do this? Help from God. God, help me, please. That's what you do. Over and over and over until he shows up. Verse 5, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God, notice hoped in God, how are they doing it? They hoped in God. Who hopes for what they have already seen or what they already have, Paul says in Romans. 
In other words, you don't have this, but you know that if I go to God, I can get this from him. And my hope is for something I don't yet have, but this hope is anchored in truth, in reality. What's that truth? What's that reality? God himself. Solid foundation to anchor in. Hope in God. Used to adorn themselves. How? By submitting to their own husbands. Okay, now that's... We don't want to hear that. Remember what we've said over and over. When the S word comes up about women, brothers, you need to do your part well. And you need to sacrifice yourself for the ladies, for your wives. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what? Gave himself up for her. He, he dies for her that she might with joy and love and respect be able to submit to him. And let's not forget Ephesians 5, uh, mutually submitting to one another. Doesn't mean he calls all the shots. There's a mutual submission, but he leads by God's design. And if he is leading by dying, what happens? Submission is not a hard thing. And gentleness and quietness of soul is able to be there. As Sarah obeyed Abram, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightful. Man, isn't everything frightful? I mean, you turn on the news and we're like, Hawaii's burning up and you know, missiles are coming at us that are nuclear and I don't know if I'm going to make the gas bill and everything's frightening, isn't it? I mean, you could just compile the fears. So this verse is acknowledging there is frightening things out ahead of us in the future. But remember, she looks at the future and smiles at it, not anxious. There is frightening things in the world. We live in a cursed, dark, and dangerous world. But with God, friends, ladies, moms, wives, you have to hope in him. This is the answer. Do you see it? The holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. The emphasis is not on you. It's always on God. Do you see it? It's sacrifice. Now, let's look at the last verse. 31. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Remember, the, <clears throat> the gates were where uh, the judges, the authorities, the wise men, uh, the rulers dwelled. And the fruit of her hands is her labors, her craftsmanship, her goods that she makes and her produce if you will you know the land produces and we go to the produce section at giant eagle she produces and her works are praised in the gates her the judgment of her skills and her outworking in her life is praised praised so the children are praising her husband is praising her and all the the leaders are praising her. This is a, a worthy woman of praise is the point here. Now, this is such a high bar that I know no wife can stand when we put that next to her. It's impossible. And so here's what I want to say just as a relief to you ladies. Jesus lived this in your place. You are okay, even though compared to this, you're not okay. So I don't want you to compare yourself to this Proverbs 31 woman and feel like an epic failure. It's not the point. 
Jesus lived perfectly in your place, and he gives you his perfection, and you need to walk in it day by day by day, especially when you fail and fall. Listen, Jesus loved when you were selfish. He was not angry when you were. He was compassionate and kind when you were insensitive and harsh. He didn't lose his temper when you did, and on and on and on. And you need to say that to yourself regularly. Brothers, you need to say that to your wives regularly. Because the guilt that Satan will heap on your wives and the guilt that mothers feel for failing is epic. And we need to walk in the gospel, moms. Okay? We're going to walk in the gospel? We're going to walk in Christ's righteousness? Or are we going to try to be Proverbs 31 woman and gain our own righteousness? No. There is a model there to be prayed for, and by God's help we can achieve, but we will not walk in our own strength, and we will not be condemned by our failures. Why? Because Jesus was not in the business of condemning. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. It's for freedom that Christ set us free, ladies, moms. Are you walking in the freedom that Christ has bought for you? That's the question. Now, let's very quickly look at adoptive mothers. Now, adoptive mothers are also sacrificing. I mean, big time. This is James 1.27, one of the most popular verses for adoption and foster care. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. What is it? It's to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, religion here is James's way of saying you want to uh, do actions that show that you're with God. Here's what you want to do. You want to look after widows and orphans in their distress, in their affliction. Now, ladies, some of you are going to adopt. I'm not a prophet, but I'm just just going there. Some of you are called to adopt. And in the future, we want to be a church that not only promotes adoption, but helps fund adoption and says, this is one of our main things that we do here as a church. My wife and I are on the tail end of it. It could be any day now. But we want to see even moms that have multiple kids, or two kids, or one kid, adopt. Because it's gospel. It's a picture of the gospel. We've been adopted into the family of God by the Father through our big brother Jesus. We were strangers and aliens. We were outside of the family. And God said to us, I choose you as my own. And you're a part of the family, son or daughter. That we were born into Satan's family. You were of your father, the devil. Ephesians chapter 2. And God adopts us into his family. So there is hope, friends, for all ladies to be a mother. And the need is great. How about foster care? The foster care need, especially in our community, is massive. And listen, do you know what those two things will require? Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. What's the gospel? sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And in view of this sacrifice, you sacrifice. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. Friends, I want to see us live out our faith, not just talk about our faith. Now listen, 
These are massive commitments. Like, you, you, you don't send an adopted child back because you don't like it. Like, this is a commitment for life. We're talking massive commitment and sacrifice. Okay? And not everyone is called to adopt. I'm not saying that. Not everyone is called to foster care. But I think some of you are. I think some of you are. And you should pray and say, God, is this what you're doing? Is this what you're doing? And maybe that's how God wants some of you to mother. Now, what about spiritual mothers? This text is for all the ladies. Okay? God has called women to the Great Commission, not just the dudes. Go into the world, make disciples of all nations, ethnos, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is a letter to a man named Titus. He was a pastor. He was a pastor at an, at, of an island in the Mediterranean called Crete. And his job was to set up elders in every church that Paul planted. And he's giving instruction for what should happen in the church. And he says, specifically to older women, likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. That doesn't mean you can't enjoy a little bit of wine. It just means much wine. You can't be at the bottle like it's the Savior. And just so we don't say, okay, older women, that means older than me. Ladies, if there's ladies younger than you, you're the older woman. Don't think to yourself, yeah, I need an older woman. Yeah, you do, but who's younger than you? So don't say, I'm not old, therefore I'm excluded from this text. If there is Younger ladies under you, you can come alongside them spiritually and walk with them. They are to teach what is good. And specifically here, the, the wives are to train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Okay, so here's what I want to say. Ladies, will you be a spiritual mother to a younger spiritual daughter. Will you commit to that? And it's sacrifice. It costs time. It costs prayers. It costs away from your family. It's costly. But isn't this the gospel? Sacrifice. And we desperately need mothers who are older, who have some experience to train the young ladies to love husbands and children and to do what? To be self-controlled, to be pure, to be working at home and kind. Working at home does not necessarily mean that women are only to work in the home. It doesn't mean that. But as we saw in Proverbs 31, this lady is killing it in the home. And she's high entrepreneurial and she's real estate agent and she's textile worker. And kind, there's that kind again. Submissive to their own husbands. There's that S word again. Brothers, are you helping your wife or future wife to be submissive or are you making it harder for her? I love you guys, but I'm serious about this. Don't make it harder for her by not sacrificing for her. Okay? Brothers, I love you. We need each other. To, we need each other for this. It's hard. Okay? Let's lean on each other. And ladies, by God's help, you can submit to your husbands. And husbands, you can get to a place where you are worthy of being submitted to. 
I'll just put it like that. That the word of God may not be reviled. This is the point. So that when we say we're Christians, outsiders don't go, what is that? There's nothing there. So what we've seen all through this message, whether it was natural mothers, adoptive mothers, and spiritual mothers, we've seen that it was sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. That's the call. That's the call to moms. It's a call to sacrifice. And, and moms, I know, not from experience, that the only way you can do this is realizing the sacrifice that's been made for you. And the more you get to see how great of a sacrifice that was in your place, Jesus on the cross absorbing your sin, living perfectly for you so that weight of perfection is not on you, so that you can rest in Christ. Ladies, when you see the depth of sacrifice that Jesus made for you personally, out of an overflow of joy and thankfulness towards Him, you will want to sacrifice for others. It's just a loving response. But if, if the gospel, if, if what Jesus did for you is small in your eyes, if it's small, then I think that your response will also be small. And so maybe, maybe the prayer is, Jesus, show me how much of a sacrifice you made for me. Show me the depths that you plunged for me. Show me how free I am in you. Show me how to break free from society and social media and all of the pressure that's outside that's being put on me. Show me how to rest in the perfection that you provided for me, Jesus. And the essence of the gospel is substitution and sacrifice. That's it. And if you see Jesus in your place, covering every failure, every fault, every bad attitude, and Him giving all of His perfection to you so that you can wake up in the morning and say, I, I am okay, even though I'm not okay. You will be motivated by the power of the Holy Spirit to offer yourself as a sacrifice.